The first thing is First Thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale on 760 WJR, where Michigan comes to talk. Well, a very foreboding hump day morning out there. Yeah, wow. Look at you with the big words this morning. <laughs> what, hump day? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It looks like Transylvania up in here. Jeez. I know. It was, uh, you know, the ride in, again, tricky in a different way. It's very foggy in some spots. I could barely see the car in front of me. Um, and then, you know, we're at that cusp again where it's just warm enough that stuff is melting, but it could also be black ice. So, you know, those wet spots might not just be wet spots. They could just be black ice. So be careful. Right. So you passed the test of 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 ice and slush on the roads yesterday. So now you've graduated <laughs> to a new boss, right. dense fog, a new fresh hell. <laughs> right. But it's so warm. Today. I know it feels oh. balmy. It, it does feel tropical. I, I mean, the other day it was like 29. And with that cold snap we had, I felt like it was 40. Mm-hmm. But I, I believe we have what a dense fog advisory until 11 a.m. this morning. 11 a.m. So uh, use your low beams. Don't use your high beams and uh, watch out for each other on the roads out there. Yep. Well, I believe the final polls in New Hampshire closed last night at 8 p.m. Some did close at 7. And I think it was within 10 minutes that the New Hampshire primary was called for Donald Trump. Wow. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think I think that's about the same amount of time that it took for, for it to be called for him in Iowa. At the time it was called, Nikki Haley was only behind by nine points, which, um, you know, was that single digit lead. They said that they they that she cut Trump's lead to uh, right now. New York Times, 91 percent of the vote is in. Um, looks like Trump is ahead of her by 11 points, but he only gained three more delegates than her in the state. And as it stands right now, he's got 31. She's got 16, which, as we said in the past, Renee, if this was a normal election year, that'd be pretty close. Right. um, You know, I I think most of us feel like it's a foregone conclusion that Donald Trump's going to cruise to the primary, but she uh, to to the nomination. But she said she's staying in it until at least her her uh, home state of South Carolina on February 24th. Yeah, she said New Hampshire is first in the nation, not the last in the nation. Right. Which seemed kind of like mild trash talk, but I I guess you got to say something to keep the the troops going and uh, the the cash flow coming in the support. Yes, from the elites. Right. I love how I love how both of them are calling each other the elites. It's like you're both the elites. Stop it. You're both pretty. <laughs> you're both terrible. All right. um, yeah. But um, yeah, Joe Biden, despite the fact that he wasn't on the ballot, uh, he won. The writing campaign worked, so it's on to Nevada. And the Virgin Islands, but the next big one is South Carolina in, uh, 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 I believe it's a month from today. So um, I'd say we'll see what happens. But like I said, there's absolutely no intrigue with these uh, with this primary. I was just going to say, how many more months of this do we have? What I like what I like to see is how the news organizations try to make it interesting to like, mm. oh, who's going to get second place? Oh, are, are they going to keep it within single digits, even though Donald Trump's so they're, they're looking for these storylines. Well, they got to do I, something. I know because it's pretty lame otherwise. 
I'm like, here's some other news. We'll just put up the polling after it's done. Right. Uh, well, it looks like Jim Harbaugh to the Chargers is close to becoming a reality. I believe the term the free press used was within striking distance, but yep. we'll see. It looked like he was uh, heading to the Vikings a couple seasons ago until he wasn't. Of, of course, this comes amid some really weird contract demands he made to sign an extension with Michigan, which included job protection, regardless of anything that comes out in an NCAA investigation. You can't three- blame the guy. I mean, after this season. <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. There. No, it doesn't. But anything can happen is the way I'm looking at it. And we all learned that this season. Well, and he also wants a three-person panel. That has to be in an agreement if they want to fire him instead of just athletic director Ward Manuel. Which, wow. Hey, look, if I'm negotiating a new contract, maybe I'm trying to put in you can't fire me clause. I'll be unbleepable with at work. Mm-hmm. We need that guy uh, here. We need him to negotiate our contract. Him and Sean Fain. Imagine the possibilities. Uh, could you imagine Sean Fain and Jim Harbaugh <laughs> uh, on opposite <laughs> sides of the negotiating table? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. That I, I think That's reality TV I'd watch. I, I think a black hole would open up and we would all be sucked into it. Right. And, and so, you know, now these uh, these contract demands and the fact that it looks like Jim Harbaugh is going to the NFL uh, kind of looks like shades of Pete Carroll back at USC before he went to the Seahawks. Break some NCAA rules on the way to a national championship, jet off to the NFL and then let the program pick up the pieces. So we'll see. And uh Jury selection began yesterday, Renee, in the Jennifer Crumbly trial, the mother of the Oxford High School shooter. Yeah, and it moved slowly. 325 potential jurors were summoned to Oakland County Courts. The judge asked the potential jurors about their ability to serve impartially, leading to dismissals for some due to pre-existing commitments. And, you know, I was following along on the blog. Uh, I think it was Click on Detroit and Channel 7. They both had blogs going. And they were, you know, kind of uh, given uh, up-to-date updates as as far as to what was happening. You know, there was uh, jurors that were asked if they own a gun. Several hands went up, so they were dismissed. Uh, If you had strong views on guns, they were dismissed. They were even asked things like, did you own uh, Oxford Strong Signs? Did you contribute to the Oxford GoFundMe? Uh, So they're they're looking at every possible angle. They asked if you had family and law enforcement, if you yourself have ever served in law enforcement. Uh, So and then they they, you know, looked at uh, what their backgrounds are as far as what they do for a living. Um, If you ever had a a parking ticket, that's how deep they were going into this. Right. I think I think I heard there were 300 potential jurors and they were able to get it down to 17. I would definitely be kicked off the jury because I the first thing I would say is lock them both up. Right. I don't even need a trial. Lock them both up. And I'm sure I'd that be, they I, dealt with a lot of that right from yeah. the get-go. That probably skimmed quite a few right off the top. Yeah, I'd be out of there by lunch. Yeah, right. Um, Can, who's validating my parking? Right, exactly. All right, give me my $15. Exactly. Um, and, and so I guess uh, Jennifer Crumbly, her legal team, asked the judge um, to – um, uh, to require the shooter to testify at her trial. Yeah. Uh, like I said, his lawyers don't want him testifying because they're worried anything he says could hurt his chance of appealing his life sentence, which I don't think has much of a chance. Anyway, right. um, Jennifer it, Crumbly's lawyers. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Go on. 
Uh, Jennifer Crumbly's lawyers say that if the shooter's text messages and journal entries about his mental health struggles and violent ideations are allowed as evidence in court, she should be able to cross-examine him and rebuff what's in those messages and entries. You know, and, and what I found interesting was with the struggle that they were having yesterday, the judge said that she still expects to have a jury seated by the end of the day today. So we'll see. Right. Right. And once the trial starts, um, they want to move at, quote, lightning speed. Right. Um, another interesting hearing in a high profile case here in Detroit, Michael Jackson Bolanos will be going to trial over the murder of prominent Jewish leader Samantha Wall, who was found dead outside her Lafayette Park apartment of multiple stab wounds back in October. So what's interesting about this is that uh, the judge, Kenneth King, said the evidence against Bolanos is anything but certain. Judge King said that there was a surprisingly small amount of blood found on him compared to how bloody the murder scene was. And that the surveillance video of Bolanos, was, it, it, it's not great evidence. Number one, you can't, you can't say for sure it's him on the video. Also, the video cuts out. Um, at 4.20 a.m. about the time that the uh, the murder happened. That makes so, me wonder if there was a second person. Right. Exa- yeah, Was were, were they working together? Or at the very least, you know, the videotape isn't, isn't compelling evidence. So no. we'll see what happens. He said that, that, you know, the prosecution did meet their burden to bond him over for trial, but he thinks that the trial could go either way. Wow, interesting. And uh, tonight is Governor Whitmer's, I believe it's her sixth state of the state address. Yep. And, of, of course, details kind of leak out beforehand. And uh, her big initiative, uh, we found a little bit out about yesterday. Yeah, she plans to urge state lawmakers to pass legislation that would provide free community college tuition for all high school graduates during, uh, she's going to talk about that in her speech today, as you mentioned. Whitmer also prioritized community college access in her annual address last year. State lawmakers responded by temporarily lowering the minimum, uh, lowering the minimum age for free tuition from 25 to 21 years old. And now the governor wants to expand the program by removing age requirements for free community college. Whitmer's administration created the Michigan Reconnect program back in 2021, and that aimed to increase the percentage of the state's workforce with a post-secondary degree of training from 50.5% to 60% by 2030. I love this. It made Michigan residents 25 years and older eligible for free community college tuition. So under Whitmer's proposal, eligible students must have lived in Michigan for the year prior to enrollment, must have a high school diploma, and must not have previously completed a college degree. And then students would have up to three years to obtain their associates. Yeah, I, I mean, I like this too. Our tax money is our tax money is going to be spent regardless. And people are going to say, "How are you going to How are you going to pay for this?" It's easy. You stop paying for something stupid and put that money towards something like this that would actually improve the lives of Michiganians. Education. Imagine that. And it would be good for the economy, obviously, right. because a, a good talent pool it attracts more businesses. Um, you know, my, I'm completely fine with my tax dollars going towards this because in the past. Michigan has tried to woo big companies here, and we've been successful. But the times we weren't successful, they said that we need a deeper talent pool. I think yep. that this would go a long way towards Absolutely. that. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we're running late. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. A little breaking news from Russia. This I'm just going to read right from ABC News. A Russian military aircraft 
carrying 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war, crashed Wednesday in western Russia's Belgrade region, according to a Russian official. Uh, the captured Ukrainian soldiers were being transported to the Belgrade region, located along Russia's border with Ukraine as part of an exchange, according to a statement from the Russian Ministry of Defense. So don't know what this means. Don't know if it means anything. Um, Ukraine has not even confirmed a prisoner swap yet, but uh, just passing it along. um, Very tragic, especially if these Ukrainian prisoners were on their way to freedom. Yeah. How tragic would that be? It's tragic either way, but especially so. Right. It's it's even more tragic. Um, and then it was a deadly day yesterday, I believe, for um, Israeli military forces. Yeah. Palestinian militants carried out the deadliest single attack on Israel's forces since the Hamas raid that triggered the war, killing 21 soldiers, which is a significant setback that could add to mounting calls for a ceasefire. Hours later, the military announced that ground forces had encircled the southern city of Khan Yunus. Uh, that marked a major advance, but it was unclear how much closer it would bring Israel to defeating Hamas or freeing Israel hostages or what impact it would have on ceasefire talks that appear to be gathering pace. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu mourned the soldiers but vowed to press ahead with the offensive until absolute victory over Hamas. But Israelis are increasingly divided on whether a victory is even possible and whether it's compatible with bringing back the hostages. You know, in previous conflicts, large numbers of casualties have pressured Israel to halt military operations and Israel's proposed a two-month ceasefire in which the hostages would be freed in exchange for the release of Palestinians imprisoned by Israel and top Hamas leaders in Gaza would also be able to relocate to other countries. Hamas rejected the proposal and is insisting that no more hostages will be released until Israel ends its offensive and withdraws from Gaza. And then U.S. and uh, U.K. forces, they carried out airstrikes uh, yesterday against Houthi targets in Iraq after U.S. troops were attacked in Iraq over the weekend, just days after you, the United States and England carried out airstrikes against the Houthi rebels in Yemen. Mm-hmm. And discussions do continue for that lengthy pause in fighting in return for a large release of hostages. But uh, according to what you just reported, Renee, it sounds like uh, they're still pretty far apart on that. One step forward, two steps back is what this is. Right. Um, so Peacock, they have the NFL. Amazon has Bally Sports, and they have their own NFL product. Now Netflix is getting into the sports entertainment business, and Jason actually told me about this yesterday, signing a 10-year, $5 billion deal with the WWE to stream Monday Night Raw starting in 2025. And that's interesting because Raw is under contract with USA, um, where it's been forever until 2024. So, um, and, and I have the know. numbers, Mike. I have the numbers. Uh, oh. The WWE was making 260 million a year on the USA Network. Now, 500 million dollars a year. There is a clause in this contract, though. Netflix can cancel them after five years if they want. It is a 10-year deal, but they can opt out after five. Well, I think this is a great deal for Netflix because um, all the production costs don't fall on them. It falls on the WWE. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, Netflix and these streaming services, they're losing their butt on, on original content. And that kind of takes care of the problem. Um, and actually did a quick Google. And according to Statista, there are 77.3 million paid Netflix accounts as of October, 2023. 
And only about 66 million people have cable subscriptions. Wow. So <laughs> I, I was shocked about that too, Renee, because I'm like, well, you know, they're, they're kind of putting themselves out of the reach of, of, of fans. This actually is making them more accessible. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when they do these pay-per-view events, that's just going to be readily available. Is that how that's going to work? You well, don't have to pay on, extra. They're on Peacock as well with their library and their, their, they call them now premium live events. Oh. So you just subscribe and then $5 a month, you can get the, the live show. It's shows. still a lot cheaper than a pay-per-view. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. What a, what if pay-per-views run, Jay? Because they were well, they were like fifty bucks. AEW, right. the the uh, competitor, they still charge. They do pay-per-views for charge of fifty dollars. Okay. WWE, about- it's just five dollars subscription. Right. But back in my day, back when Stone Cold <laughs> and The Rock, I don't know if that's my old man impression or my Stone Cold impression. But anyway, <laughs> when I was an old Stone Cold. <laughs> right. Which yeah. Which I think he's pushing sixty now, but he's bald, so he doesn't age. He anyway. looks the same, maybe right. a little older, but he's in, you know he looks good. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if he dyes the beard, but he still looks great. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, pay per views were one one day events. Now I think they're all weekend, and I, I think they were about that even back in the late nineties, about fifty dollars for a pay per view. So, yeah. Um, it's this actually it's actually probably saving wrestling fans a lot of money. Well, if you look at the I also have the numbers really uh, uh, about 1.5 million viewers a week for Raw where back in the day when when wrestling was at its boom, people that was about 6 or 7 million people were watching. So it's it continues to go down. So I think it's it's smart to go to the streaming um avenue kind of like they did in I think in 2014 when they got away with pay-per-views. And started doing these subscription services, so it's just history keeps repeating itself. Well, and I mean, they do seem to always be kind of sort of out in front of everything. They, are. Um, you know, Vince McMahon obviously is no longer uh, the head of the company, but obviously he was a visionary, and it seems like Triple H um, is uh, Paul Levesque is um, is is kind of carrying that torch. I should have had some theme music ready for this segment. That's okay. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> anyway, um, and then uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson now, I guess he has full ownership rights of the name The Rock because he's joining the board of the WWE's parent company, TKO. And I know this has been a big thing going back for uh, to like Hulk Hogan, who was the first big crossover star. If he used the name Hulk Hogan for anything, the WWE would get a cut, which put him in a tough position because Terry Belia doesn't quite have the same ring and box office appeal as Hulk Hogan. I'm going to agree with you. You guys are speaking a foreign language to me now. <laughs> I, I just hear, I just keep hearing real American in my head. Yeah. Um, so the Oscar nominations came out yesterday and uh, there's a little bit of a controversy, Renee. Yeah. Barbie was nominated for best picture, but director Greta Ger- Gerwigan uh, and Margie, Margie, Margo, Ro- Ro- Robbie got snubbed. Uh, Ryan Gosling did get nominated for best supporting actor. Um, America Ferreira got a nod for best supporting actress. So you had an interesting point of view on this, Mike. Yeah, well, it, I, I stole this from a meme, and, you know, just like a man to, to steal something probably posted by a woman and take credit for it. But somebody somebody said that, you know, this is almost the exact plot of the Barbie movie, where you got women 
running a perfect world and then men come along and kind of screw it up and take credit for it. That's kind of, <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind of, this is a bit ironic. Right. And, and Ryan Gosling, he, he came out and he posted a very classy uh, statement saying that he's extremely honored to be nominated and he's very happy for America Ferreira, but there's no Ken without Barbie and there's no yeah. Barbie movie without Greta Gerwig and, and Margot Robbie. So um, just like it's been all year, um, the Barbie movie and Oppenheimer both are out front with the nominations. Yeah. Bar- and, and, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Em. No, go ahead. I would say Barbie got eight nominations in total. Oppenheimer led the pack though with 13. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I, I kind of think that these, these awards are, are not that important. I, I, I think award shows are very self-congratulatory. But also, I've never really been snubbed by anything because of my gender. You know, as a straight mm. white dude, no, <laughs> nothing has really been begrudged me based on my gender, race, or, or sexual orientation. So, um, you know, may, maybe maybe it hits a little bit different for people who have been. Uh, there was a white dude that was snubbed. Leonardo DiCaprio did not get nominated for his starring turn in Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, so there's that. Yeah. And, <laughs> and look, don't. Don't ask me my opinion on anything because yes, I did see Barbie, I did see Oppenheimer, and and I just got lucky that those two movies, um, you know, are getting all the nominations. Most years, I, I've never seen any of these movies. Yeah, I most of the time it it like provokes me to see these movies. I'm like, oh, so that won a lot of awards. Maybe we should. What's it called again? We should check that right. out. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of wrote the Oscars off when. The Color of Water or The Shape of Water, a, a story about a woman who had an affair with a sea creature in a bathtub, one best picture. After that, I'm like, OK, <laughs> I, I'm not really going to take the Academy's. I'm not going to take the Academy's uh, uh, suggestions on movies. Saltburn was also up. snubbed. They're talking about that, which I just saw that movie over the weekend. Um, that was it interesting. Was. Sharknado 5 was snubbed. Oh, no. Actually, actually I don't know if there's a Sharknado 5. Great movie. <laughs> yeah, Jason can, Jason can endorse it. All right, so we love the Crackman on this show, Renee. Oh, yeah, he's our pal. For those that don't know, Crackman is the Lions super fan with the face paint and the hard hat and the Argyle socks. And, uh, look, we all know the Lions are playing the 49ers on Sunday um, in San Francisco for the NFC title. And it happens to be Crackman's 72nd birthday. And uh, he plans to be there, but he doesn't know exactly how he's going to get there. Um, he doesn't want to pay $1,200 for a, for a plane ticket, so he might take a bus. Or a train. Make <laughs> train. I feel like that's a song. I think it was a movie. Um, yeah, I might maybe an Great automobile, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> right. That one got snubbed this year, too, even though it came <laughs> out 30 years ago. Uh, so, hey, Godspeed, Crackman. Hopefully, hopefully you get there. By the way. Numbers are in Ford Field. They broke their own record for loudest indoor crowd noise Um, against the Rams. um, It hit 133 decibels in there during the player intros. And that was that that was a record in and of itself. Uh, And then they broke that record um, Sunday against the Bucks when Ford Field hit 134 decibels during Jared Goff's kneel down. So. Um, when do eardrums so, start getting blown out? Because <laughs> it has to be close to that number. 
I think Dan Campbell mentioned that in his press conference. Oh, yesterday. really? <laughs> yeah, he said something about how, um, you know, what do you do about a blown out eardrum or something? Every but... time he was asked, asked a question, he was like, "Excuse me, what did you say?" Right? Really? No, no. <laughs> I could see it. I could see that being a thing, though. Man, all those years, yeah. uh, just this season alone of being in Ford Field. Yeah, just last t- so, and 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 look, people all around the country. Um, when they come into that, when they come into uh, Ford Field, uh, they always come away talking about how, you know, what a crazy fan atmosphere it is in there. So, um, yeah, so breaking records, uh, ratings wise, decibel wise. And, you know, I, I saw another map the other day. You know, people have been doing these um, social media metrics uh-huh. saying who is, is, is rooting for who. And just about, um, just about every state except for Colorado, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Minnesota, the whole map was blue for the Detroit Lions. Every, everyone else uh, in in every other state in the country is pulling for the Detroit Lions to win the Super Bowl. That's awesome. So, uh, except and, and except for the states that still have NFL teams in, but well, uh, sure. the vast majority of the they country get a pass. right. Is Honolulu Blue, and they, and they can jump on the bandwagon when we beat the 49ers this week and, <laughs> and head off to Vegas. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. And Guy, Lloyd, Jamie, they join us. They made it through the uh, pea soup thick fog, and, and they're all in studio. Good morning, everybody. Good, Good morning. morning. Was it really that bad? I. It's pretty foggy on the east side. Was it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, well, up where I am, we, it was okay. It wasn't as bad. It was foggy last night when I left my mom's house around 7 or 8 o'clock. I was on 696. Okay. It was pretty foggy. Of course, it could just yeah. be that I'm so foggy on normal mornings well, maybe, that I don't, yeah. know this, <laughs> you don't know the difference. I just like the temperature. <laughs> Bring on the fog. It's yes. Right. Yeah. Perhaps clouds just part out of the way for Guy as he... Yeah, <laughs> yes. that's what like. it is. <laughs> All right, so yesterday, all I was hearing was, did you hear what Stephen A. Smith said about Detroit on ESPN? Uh, People were mad. So I decided to look up the clip, and I'm going to play it before we share our thoughts here. Go ahead and hit it, Jace. Detroit, phenomenal fan base. Great city. Been through a lot. The downtown area, big time. The stadium, big time. But you go to other outskirts of the Detroit area, it looks like a damn desert town. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here wondering how to help people making money. I, I'm just, I'm just look. It looks like, it looks like a desert town. I, I'm just looking at it and I'm like, what, what the hell is going on in this city? And then you see the Detroit Lions coming up and sort of reviving. Just, just, just give. They were on. They, they. I mean, I mean, you, they were on a respirator for crying out loud. Just as a city. Wow. Wow. Yeah, dude. Get a new uh, argument. Yeah. So do we have we ever looked at Stephen A for reasonable or thoughtful or informed <laughs> opinion? He's no. the master of the hot take, not the smart take, yeah, right? right? And boy did he show it in, yesterday. It was a it well, was a nice article though in the Detroit Free Press by Darren, Darren Nichols. Darren Nichols. Who, let me Thank say you. kudos to him for kind of giving it to him and making him, you know, doing it in a in a very nice educated right. way. I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> He did have a point when you say once you get away from 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 downtown, there there is work to do in the neighborhood. But, but isn't that fact, every, every major city. city? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, and I'll I'll leave that up to people who've been to more major cities than than I. But the the fact that Detroit was on quote unquote a respirator before the Lions got good a season and a half ago, 
Yeah, <laughs> it, right. It's, it's just it's just patently false. Amazing, fifteen, you know, t- t- fourteen wins, and all of a sudden the entire city turns around. <laughs> is it is a, it it's a Motown miracle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you guys remember back in like two thousand eight, up to the bankruptcy? It seemed like every time one of our our teams was was making a run, there'd always be some kind of national publication talking about how. You know, the the poor, depressed people of, of Detroit are spending their last dollar to well, go watch their, their team play, and, and it's their only respite of their, their miserable existence. Yeah, and, right. And, and, the mayor, and the mayor has said, you know, that the uh, train depot was on the front page of every paper across the yep. country as, yep. you know, what Detroit is. But he says he's going to invite all of those same reporters back here when they open it up later this year to show them that. The Put mayor that on was the just seat. on our show yesterday yeah. about home values Ex- and prices. Ex- just um, yesterday. Every crime rates neighborhood. are low. Yes. 23% right. was the average increase so, in property value. It's ignorant. It's just an ignorant point of view, and we all know the truth. Let's you, not so, all get all worked but up. There was, I'm sorry. What? There was a reporter. There was a reporter, and I can't think of his name right now. He put it on Facebook yesterday. He interviewed uh, Stephen A. Stephen A. was here for something, and he said, well, you know, will you be coming back? To see the Lions, he was like, oh, "I'm not coming back to see the Lions." He said, "Win a division and win a playoff game, and maybe I'll come back." Up, oh. come, come on back, Stephen. Hello, uh, we'll, 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 we'll welcome you back with open arms. But I agree with Jamie. You know, we we do love our city, but I'm done getting upset about every stupid thing someone on the national uh, on the national uh, sports scene says. Our team is one win away from the Super Bowl. You have all of America uh, behind us. You have people like Steve Levy and the folks from NBC coming in and saying it's one of the best fan experiences that they've ever seen. I'm going to focus on that, and I'm not going to let Stephen A. Smith. One quick note. The NFL doesn't think that because the draft is here. Hello. So. Right. Right. <laughs> and I thought the mirror's response again. Darren Nichols' invitation to Stephen A. to come. You really want to get informed? Come to Detroit. And Darren Nichols was classy in that. Love to have you, JR Morning, coming up next. Megan Stefanski, a.k.a. Youper Girl, is the daughter of Donnie Stefanski, better known as Youperman, a Detroit Lions superfan who passed away in 2019. And when the Detroit Lions made the playoffs, Megan could only think of one fitting way to honor her late father. She talks about it with Kevin and Tom on All Talk. Well, uh, Megan Stefanski, uh, daughter of the late Donnie Stefanski, we know him as Youperman. Uperman, a dedicated Detroit Lions fan, uh, really honored her father by bringing his ashes to the Lions' first playoff win in 32 years. It was, a, it was a tremendous moment for the family and for this super fan that has been well-known and uh, really supported by other fans of the Detroit Lions. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a wonderful thing, Kevin, to watch these people that have supported the Detroit Lions through thick and thin over the many, many, many years. Um, and then to see someone like Megan Stefanski continue her father's legacy. Boy, I love this story, Tom. Yeah. When I first saw it, I said, we, we have to get Megan Stefanski on the show. She, she's a Youper girl, the daughter of Youper man, Donnie Stefanski, one of the all-time great Lion fans ever. Uh, he, he's what you'd call a Lion fan for life. Uh, now with the Lions in the playoffs and Donnie passing away in 2019, his daughter found a way to make Youper man a fan in the afterlife. Uh, let's bring Megan Stefanski and a.k.a. Youper girl. How are you? Hi. Uh, thanks for being here. I, I absolutely love this. What, what made you think to bring your dad's ashes to the game? And and he he had his he had his own seat, his regular seat that he had all his time, his jacket, his hat. Uh, you were you were next to him. Uh, what what made you think to do all of this? Well, I have 
four seats and I've been sitting in his seat since he died. And, you know, this was huge, this playoff game, both playoff games. And I kept trying to decide, like, who should come with me? Who should sit in these seats? Um, I brought a very dear friend of his, and I brought a friend of mine. And I kept trying to think, who should sit there? Who should sit there? And one of my friends was like, you know, I think it's bothering you so much because it's his seat. And so maybe you should just let him sit there. And I was like, you're right, but I just didn't know if it should be okay. You know, people were making big money off these seats. Not that I would ever in a million years sell them. No. I just decided, you know, after 30 years, he deserves to sit in his seat. So I moved over and I brought his jersey and his hat and his little urn and and he, I bet he loved yeah. the game because it was, it was a great game. Uh, there had, uh, you, those season tickets you've had for a long time. Other people um, probably have had their season tickets uh, for a long time, too. They probably uh, met and, and know your dad. Um, what, what was kind of the, the reaction during the game when people kind of realized what was going on? Well, most our whole section has been there for at least 15 years. Um, so everybody that sat near us, they were very touched by it. Most of them wanted to take photos sitting next to the seat. Um, most of them, when they'd come over to high-five me, would also pat his jersey or we'd view it as good luck. Um, it just kind of became a thing, those two games. People I didn't even know, though, would come down and say hi and just want to, you know, pay respects. I think it's great, and I don't think it's it's odd at all that you brought your father's ashes there because you've there, there's something that – happens when a family comes together and supports a team. I've got many, you know, friends or family, I mean, uh, fans of the Wolverines, for example, and it's a family affair. You've written a book uh, titled Uperman's Pride. Football is family. What is the deal with that? What is the story behind that, about this relationship between sports and family that has impacted yours as it has? Um, I've made, I mean, I have my family, and then I've got my football family, and there's so many people I've met through my love of the Lions and through football and not even necessarily the Lions. I have friends from every team and, and it's so great right now seeing them all support us. I mean, I've been getting texts from Bears fans, Bucks fans, Vikings fans. Everyone's cheering for the Lions right now. I love it. Yeah, fandom's awesome. And uh, I actually don't care if uh, people are jumping on the bandwagon because this has never happened in you know our lifetimes that we even had a bandwagon. <laughs> so come along. Right, right. Join the fun. Um, I know these games are expensive, but you're committed to the Lions team, and, and you're working hard to make sure you, you can still always afford these tickets, aren't you? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I work two jobs to afford it. And uh, right now is really tough because, you know, I usually only budget until the beginning of January. But uh, <laughs> Shame new on you. New for all of us. <laughs> I mean, I've got the airline miles, thankfully, for this weekend because those nice. flights are crazy. So yes. thankfully I have some airline miles saved up and some hotel miles. So I could use those. <laughs> How, how did this get started for for your father? It's it, it's a long it's a long drive. Ga- gas money alone uh, to get to the game from the UP can can be expensive. Right. Um, they were my mom got them for him for Father's Day in mm. uh, 1994, and we just always um, bring other people. And then, like I would go to quite a few. My brother, my mom. So a lot of times it was a family thing. He would bring friends. They usually have to pay for gas. Um, but, yes, it does get expensive, and it's a long day on Sundays, leaving at 2.30 in the morning, usually not getting back till you know, 11 at night. This week it was 1 a.m., <laughs> being that started at 3. You know, there's something to that because 
you know, let's say the Lions win on uh, this coming weekend. They're, they're going to be likely matched up with the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Back in 1994, when you first got, when your mom first bought these tickets, that was the 49ers that were in the Super Bowl uh, yeah. back here. So that would be a nice kind of bookend after all the, all this time. Are you hopeful? What are, what are your thoughts for this uh, this upcoming game? I'm very hopeful. I mean, I don't think that any team is unbeatable this year. I mean, there are good teams, but none of them are unbeatable. Yeah. And uh, I think we're going to see a lot of blue up there, too. Yeah, I do, too. We're going to see a lot of fans traveling, and there's been a lot traveling this year, which has been great. You talk about and, that long drive back to the uh, after the games back uh, back to the UP. Do I imagine some of them? I bet the last couple at least uh, the the drive probably went fast. Do you, do you relive the game uh, on the drive back and, and and go over it? Yeah, I I mean usually that's the topic of conversation. These last two games I've been on my own, um, so that was kind of made the trip a little longer. But what's great now is. Every rest area you stop at, every gas station, everybody, you know, usually they'll see me still with my jersey and everything, and they just kind of look at me, and now everybody's cheering for the Lions. It's great. Even oh. today, the Mackinac Bridge put out that the blue ice is back. <laughs> yes, good. Yeah, it's a statewide issue. It's, it's going over state lines, too. I love seeing the Lions jersey uh, throughout the Midwest and even on the different the, the coasts, the east and the west coast. All of those years, how do you sustain this you know, those long drive backs to the UP after a Lions loss, maybe to the Packers. What was happening in the car ride back there? Was it-